0: and an 85 year old man walked up and pointed at the Jesus style and said what's that he says well it's a book about Jesus I don't believe that blankety blank stuff he said well maybe you don't understand him here take the book and read it No, I'm 85 years old, I don't read books anymore. And anyway, the doctors told me I'm about to die, so I've got got all my money to get my family on this boat so I can say goodbye to them. And he says, I plan to get so drunk I won't even know I'm here. And my friend very wisely said, you know, I can't expect you to read the book, but why don't we have some fun? Like what? Let me read it to you. And the old man thought for a second, all right. And he sat down and my friend started reading the book to him. And by the third day, that old man had given his heart to the Lord. But there's more to the story. On his way home, his, one of his sons sat beside him on the plane. They lived on the East Coast. And his son said, Dad, what's going on? What are you talking about? What's up? What do you mean? Dad, you're not drunk. Oh, that. So he reached into the pocket where the man had given him that Jesus style and said, here, read it for yourself. By the time they got home, that son had given his heart to the Lord. Now, the last I've heard, and this has been a while ago, so I don't have an update, more than 30 people in that family had become followers of Jesus because of the book. Now, one thing that happened that was just such a joy to me and I hope will be to you. They sent that original copy back to the man and asked him if he would to do a little presentation to me and give it back and let him know, the author know, that we all have our own copy now. So this is what I have now. It's a little bit like me. It's kind of ripped up and loose. <laughs> now, does that sound like a sales job? Yeah. I know, it, it, but it isn't. I have copies of the book here for enough of you, and you can take more than one of the Jesus style absolutely free. So they're out on a table. And if you don't take one, uh, I might confront you. <laughs> and I'm an old football player, <laughs> really old. <laughs> what? This, well, this is a reprint, yeah, that uh, we have out there. But that one is, uh, it can't be reprinted. <laughs> it may, might not even can be repaired. There are some things about God that have bothered me. And I wondered how does this work. One, Jesus said, let the children come to me. Because that's what the kingdom of God has made of. Oh, and if you don't become like one of them, you won't get there. Oh, man, when I was growing up, I always heard, don't be so childish, you know, grow up. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what, what is, what's the secret here of being as a child? Man, and then, too, he said, God so loved the world. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The world's a big place. And most of the world doesn't know about him. Oh, man. What's the deal here? Did he intend it for people to go to hell? I don't think so. And so I began to struggle with this. And finally, God got through to me and said, "Yale, the secret to being a child isn't being childish, but simplicity the simplicity of the kingdom well I'm, i need to look at the kingdom again and find that simplicity and the same is true of those in other places you can't go there with a a, a giant bible and uh, with all kinds of helps and expect them to understand that for the world to know jesus there has to be a presentation very simply well how simple can it get? Aha! Uh-huh. I'm glad you're still here. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. And now I'm going to have to put on my glasses. Matthew chapter 22. And I'm going to read actually the last four verses of that. No, not not quite that. But starting with verse 34, and if you'll forgive me, I'm a guy that likes to have fun with things. So I'm going to read it my way first. <laughs> verse 34, but when the Republicans heard that he had silenced the Democrats. <laughs> Do you know something, folks? Times have not changed <laughs> one bit. Then the, the Pharisees gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Lawyers have been around a long time, you know. Saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now let me, let me just say, this guy would have had to have been stupid to not know this. Because every morning, practicing Jewish homes would repeat the Shema it's called and it's that verse so he'd been hearing it all of his life probably and so he's testing Jesus you know what's the great commandment as if Jesus didn't know and Jesus said to him you shall love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind that's it that's the great commandment this is the first and great commandment he said and the second is like it in other words he he elevates this to that first commandment and he says the second is like it it's not in. it's in the law but it's not in the ten commandments you shall love your neighbor as yourself oh man he doesn't know my neighbors But Jesus defined neighbor for us in an interesting way, and also because uh, love your neighbor as yourself, man, that's a a tough thing. Now, I've had people say to me, well, how can I love my neighbor when I don't love myself? And I would uh, smoke them out real quick. I'd say, oh, but you're so lovable. Really? (laughs) You think so? (laughs) Folks, the fact that you're even here means you love yourself. The facts." that you combed your hair or put on your clothes means you love yourself. That's a given in any population, any place in the world. So love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Well, let's start off with this uh, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Man, how do you do that? How, how do you love God that you can't even see? How do you love God when you're not really sure that what happened was Him or the way you feel actually came from Him? I remember there was a time in my life when I thought God was the director of a band of angels, especially trained in karate, and they were flying right over me, waiting. You know? <laughs> One bad thought. <laughs> so what is it about God? that is lovable when you can't see him now you you know my wife is with her and when i met her uh, we had been corresponding for a while but when i met her uh, the first thing i wanted to know was everything about her that i could Uh, we've been married now 62 years she's telling me she's still telling me things i didn't know (laughs) but i want to know them you know because for, for you to love someone they've got to tell you about themselves and to our great delight god does that now uh, this is going to be an interaction thing i'm going to have you shouting some things out down the road so get your shouter ready uh, but in in exodus chapter 33 moses had actually won an argument with god now he argued with god a lot and lost but this time he won you see the children of israel had been just so wicked and so rebellious god says i'm just gonna have to destroy you and and moses said now wait a minute wait a minute what was going to say about your name for you to bring your people out here in the desert and destroy them what's that going to say about your name and i can i can hear god saying pretty good man you win (laughs) so So he says, and and I'm going to paraphrase a lot here because i got to cover a lot of territory. God says, okay, I like you. How would you like to hear God say that? He has, and if you haven't heard it yet today, please hear it. It isn't that he puts up with you. (laughs) No, he likes you. He genuinely likes you. Well, what if I don't like him? It doesn't matter. He still likes you. He's God, and he knows the difference. And so... First of all, he said, I like you. And he said, I know your name. Now, wait a minute. What do you mean, you know my name? Well, you must understand that back then, a name had meaning to it. And if you knew the meaning of the person's name, then you knew the person. And Moses had been so absolutely honest and open with God that God knew the meaning (laughs) of his name. And that's a good compliment. And one of the things I have learned is I need to be up to date with God so that he knows the meaning of my name. But that's another message in a way. But then he says, I'll do what you ask. Boy, how would you like to hear God say that? What do you want? I'll do it. <laughs> well, he may not like me. and you know? Oh, he does. If I Please hear that. He is crazy about you. And if you feel like he doesn't like you or he's mad at you because of something that you've done, no, he isn't. He's crazy about you. Just settle that in your mind right now. And God's not putting up with you. He's crazy about you. He loves your presence. And he loves to be here with you, you know. Yeah. Now, what's going to happen? Well, Moses has got God in a corner now. You know, you'll do what I ask. And he says, show me your glory. In other words, I want to see you. And God says, well, I tell you, uh, you're not going to be able to see me, but here's what I'll do. I'll take you up on a mountain and cover you with my hand in a cave. And I will pass by and I will preach my name. I will define my name. Whoa, he's going to know what God is really like. And he wrote this down for us. And I'll just swiftly go through it. But you need to go back and read it because I want to explain part of it. It'll be a little different from what you see there, but it'll, it won't be wrong. Uh, and so God passed by and said to him, the Lord, the Lord, took him up on the mountain and said, the Lord, the Lord. Now, you need to know that's not what he actually said. You see... What, the word that's under there has been uh, tr- translated a different way for the benefit of Jewish people. Because the name underneath there, they will not speak because they feel like it's just too holy. And so any place in the Old Testament that where you f- see the word Lord capitalized all the way through, here's what you need to know about it. it, uh, it uh, that way you can be smart and tell people what you know. The word Yahweh is under that. And my second book, which is entitled The Father Style, I first entitled it The Yahweh Style, till I had a guy in Europe who was Jewish say, I can't sp- say that word. Why? And he, under- he explained it to me. So I changed the name to The Father Style. They can say that, you know. So he said, The Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh. And then he marched through his name. The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, forgiving wickedness, forgiving rebellion, forgiving sin. You like that? It's not nothing better than that. You can love that God. So now I want you to repeat it after me out loud, no whispering uh, when I get to it. Ready? Compassionate, Compassionate. gracious, Gracious. slow to anger, anger. abounding in mercy and faithfulness, (laughs) abounding in mercy and faithfulness, mercy to thousands, thousands. forgiving wickedness, forgiving Forgiving rebellion, Forgiving forgiving sin. covers the territory, doesn't it? Now I had a rabbi friend I spent time with. He and I worked over some of these areas, and he said we forgiving thousands. That really means forgiving thousands generation. And if a generation is 40 years, that's at least 80,000 years of forgiveness. And most some people think it's more like 120,000 years for a generation. So generations would be just think of it at least. Two hundred and forty thousand years of forgiveness, and only four years of of uh, misery because of it, and he said that's pretty good odds in my book. But I thought, well, this is the nature of our Father anyway. Even those who oppose Him, He's in work. He's working out a way for Him. Now, you know the name of God. You know the definition. Can He be loved? compassionate can you love compassionate you know and uh what was the next one gracious can you love someone who's gracious can you be love someone who is is uh forgiving can you love someone who is forgiving even down to the very end and shows you just how much he loves you and he is good so you see that's a pretty simple thing and this is something that I often don't find preached because it's the next verse that we preach I can remember when this first came to my attention I was a kid and that was a long time ago and, and that last verse yet not letting the guilty go unpunished visiting the sins of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation see that preaches and that was the first I heard but you know what God lets us know in Exodus 20 and in uh, Deuteronomy about chapter 5 that that is only hear this only for those who hate God no I doubt very seriously that there's anyone here that said I hate God so much I think I'll go to church (laughs) it You know, doesn't even apply to you only his loving grace and compassion applies to you so don't ever let that worry you and if you hear someone preaching a hard message about that end you know that's not for you and so you can relax in his incredible loving grace wow okay i can love that god love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength whoa That's easy to do. And anything that you've had that didn't match that, let it go because that's not God. This is the way he is. And you can love him. Well, now we got a problem. Love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. He doesn't know my neighbors. Uh, Jesus dealt with this. And dealt with our self-love because the fact of the matter is we all love ourselves. I mean, that's why you're here. You wouldn't come here because you hate yourself. Uh, I've had people tell me, I think I said this to you, that well, how can I love someone else when I don't love myself? And I say to them, oh, but you're so lovable. Really? Anything else you've noticed about me? (laughs) Because we do love ourselves. The very fact that you're here means we love ourselves. The only problem is... The definition of love, mm. Sometimes we think it's a good feeling, you know. It's an emotion, but emotions come and they go. They're not trustworthy, you know. That's why I don't have a gun at my house. And if I did, my wife would not know where it is. Because I'm not always a nice guy, <laughs> you know. And so uh, emotions come and go. So is there a definition of love that we can get our hands on and know yes there is and i i take you to john chapter 13 you don't have to turn there right now but uh what i have to say about it this is the area of the great uh last supper that was in and i gotta describe describe this table for you uh they didn't sit at tables like we do their tables were low and they recline at a table with their feet sticking out, you know. And they would eat with their hands. I learned in my travels, that when I'm in another country in the East, to always eat with my right hand. I found out in India that if I touched something on the table with my left hand, they take it off now because it's considered unclean. So they, they sort of like that. They ate with their right hands. And in their leaning uh, on their left side as they ate the first person at this table it was like a squared off horseshoe over here on the left would have been Jesus because he was the host and the person second to him would have been a person of, of significance and guess what that was John and he tells us where he sat you know uh that he called himself the disciple whom jesus loved who leaned against his breast that's that meant that he was actually in the very first seat i'm sorry i think i confused you jesus was in the second one and john in order to speak to jesus had to lean back against his chest ah now we know the third person will surprise you it was judas now, the third person at that table would always be a person uh, to be honored. And the host would take the first bite of the meal, dip it in the sop, they, they, they just break some bread. They didn't have sliced bread. But they'd break some bread, dip it in the sop. That doesn't sound exciting, does it? But they probably wouldn't get excited about hot dogs either. <laughs> dip it in the sop and put it in the guest of honor's mouth and compliment him or honor him in some way who got the first bite judas what you mean even knowing that judas was going to betray him jesus honored him as the guest of honor now they would sit or recline at this table all the way around according to rank Now, this is one reason why they fought a lot, those poor disciples. You look at the New Testament, and you think, is there ever a day they don't fight? I mean, every day it was a question, who's the greatest? Well, why? Because they would recline at their meal according to rank, so there had to be a fight every day. Now, we find an interesting thing. The last seat was occupied by Peter, Peter, what's he doing there? Well, I can hear the argument. He's probably saying, now, wait a minute. Who walked on water? Yeah, and who sank? Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Who had the revelation that, that he was God's son? You know, and... Yeah, and they say, and to whom did Jesus say, get behind me, Satan, right after that? Oh, yeah. But I think, really, knowing Peter well... In the argument, he said, look, I know Jesus said, whoever wants to be great, let him be the least. So I'm going to go sit over here at the end. You all know why, don't ya? (laughs) And so here he is. And Jesus, at one point, you know, they were were barefooted. And they had a a ritual over there that when you were, uh, somebody was host to you, If you had servants, your servant or your lowest ranked servant would wash their feet. Nobody's feet had been washed. Why? Because if somebody got up and washed their feet, it would be an admission that he was the lowest ranked person there. So those guys fought every day. (laughs) Every day. If I had employees like that, they would be former employees. But these are the people that Jesus loved. And, and he, you've got to understand this. You might feel like there's no reason he can love me. Or you might feel like, man, I fail in so many ways. He knows that that doesn't change his view of you. You just don't realize how valuable you are in his eyes and just receive that you are very valuable. In his eyes, well, so what happens? Somebody's got to wash feet. It should have been Peter, <laughs> and he knew that, and that's why when Jesus got up to wash their feet, he was the first one to say something. "You're going to wash my feet?" "You never wash my feet." Jesus says, "If I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me." Now, I spent a number of years as a pastor, uh, and I. Had one congregation, man, uh, they had dirty feet. Now, what am I going to do? As pastor, do I want to point out dirty feet? You got dirty feet, you got dirty feet. But they already knew that, (laughs) didn't have to point it out. Or I thought, well, maybe I can uh, get a fire hose and wash their feet. But I found out I was knocking feet right off their legs and sweeping them out the back door. Finally got through to me, God did, and he said, look, Gail, if you're going to wash feet, you have to get close enough to people to touch them. Yeah. And so Jesus got up from that table. The King of kings and Lord of lords, the most important person at that table by far the Savior of our souls. And he starts with Peter, who was at the end of the table. But he didn't feel like he belonged there. So he jumps in, You gonna wash my feet? I'm gonna wash my feet. Isn't that a Peter type? And Jesus says, If I don't, you have no part with me. Then wash my head, hands, arms, everything, you know. And Jesus No, no. <laughs> you only need your feet washed the rest of you is clean you need your feet washed and when it was over after he yeah that that was the last thing said couldn't you imagine what was happening there that the son of god was washing your feet oh i gotta tell you a little story uh i've had a lot of ministry in africa And one of the main African leaders is a dear friend of mine. I wrote his biography for him. But I'll never forget at the end of the civil war over there in the country of it was then Rhodesia but now it's Zimbabwe. At the end of the civil war, uh, they had a a, a kind of a congress of of, uh, rejoicing. And I'll never forget sitting up on the platform and looking out at about 500 black faces. And I was the grain of salt (laughs) in the pepper. But I loved those people and they knew it. But I'll never forget, seated next to me on the platform was a beloved black man mine. And I started off on that And I turned in front of him and knelt down. And I think I was the first white man that had ever knelt down in front of him. And I washed his feet. I have to tell you, I I cried so much I lost tears. I didn't know what else to do. And when I finished, he knelt down in front of me. And that was the first time he had voluntarily knelt in front of a white man. And he washed my feet. And we both wept like children. And I thought, this, this is kind of like, I think, the way God wanted it to be. This is such an incredible moment where we're saying, you are far more important than me, and I want to wash your feet. Oh, it's something you just can never get out of your mind. And so Jesus washed their feet, and he said, you call me Lord and Master? And he says, I am, and I have washed your feet. Well, they knew that. He said, "You ought also to wash one another's feet." Now, this is an unfortunate thing the way we have defined it, uh, because we don't wash feet today. You got to wash your own in this day. We have we have shoes on; they don't get dusty, and so it's not the same sort of thing. I've known of pastors who have announced, "Okay, we're going to have a foot-washing service this coming Wednesday night." You know, and four or five people. (laughs) show up with the cleanest feet they've had in a century so this doesn't this isn't the same thing at all and so uh the thing about life is we got dirty areas you know may not be our feet but if we love each other we're not going to point out dirty areas we're going to wash them we're going to show our care and love and our servanthood to the other person. So Jesus says you ought also to wash one another's feet. What is he talking about? Literally washing one another's feet? It's not a a thing today. What he is talking about is in any area of your life, be a person who is a cleanser for another person in that area, a forgiver for another person. You ought to wash one another's feet. So when we come to church, uh, and I, I struggle with this because we are all looking at me. And, and you need to be looking at each other and forming circles and forgiving each other and things like that. But so be it. Anyway, that's another story. And Jesus says, you ought also to wash one another's feet as I have washed yours. Well, he also goes on and says, now, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Oh, he's defining love, isn't he? love oh isn't it you know it's that emotion i love you and i love ice cream sometimes ice cream more you know (laughs) no folks jesus defines love here don't ever forget this because this will change your life love is servanthood love is doing something for someone else that they really needed and you could do it and rather than look for someone who can serve you if you want to Feel good about yourself. Serve somebody else. If you want to hate yourself, just think about yourself. Because nobody ever loves you as much as you love yourself, you know, and nobody ever treats you right and so on. If you love misery, think about yourself. But if you love joy, think about someone else and how you can bless them and change their life. And there are plenty of people within the body of Christ that you can serve that way. But in your neighborhood, there are a lot of people that can be served that way in ways that they need but don't expect. And just the fact that you are a Christian, maybe they're not, and you act like you like them, and you talk to them, you want to get to know what's happening in their lives, and is there anything you can I can pray for you about, you know? You're washing their feet. You may not realize it, but, but folks' servanthood Is Jesus' definition of love. He defines it love one another as I have loved you, right there. But he also says something about this that is amazing. Two chapters later, he goes back through this again and he says, I want you to love one another that your joy may be full. So you really want to enjoy life? Bless somebody, serve somebody. If you want to be miserable, just think about yourself. Nobody ever treats me right, you know. I haven't won the lottery yet. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you don't. But the fact of the matter is, folks, your joy is going to come from blessing someone else. That's all there is to it. That's why uh, I've had what I consider to be uh, the, the perfect wedding, marriage is that I get to serve my wife. She's had some heart problems, and we had an accident after that was over that has taken her a while. And I'm a traveler. I've been all around the world. I would be speaking somewhere every weekend, but then I couldn't for a while. All I had to do was take care of her. It has been the four or five best years of my life. I enjoy making life better for her. And Jesus is saying, well, Gail, I, I didn't mean to have to do all of this, <laughs> in other, for you to discover this. But if you really want to have fun in life, enjoy. Then learn to serve someone else, and it may be that it's your wife or your spouse, your husband. But uh, God gave us that. Just you know, He said it's when remember uh, Adam. God said it's not good for man to live alone because he think about himself. That's not what God said, but I know. <laughs> and he'd think about things like that. So God sent him someone to serve. Isn't that amazing? And uh, God still sends us someone to serve, even if you're not married. There are people in your life that you can actually make life better for. And uh, you can pray for me. I, I normally at by this time. Actually, I'm out at around six. 30 now because it's dark still. But uh, when I quit traveling so much because of care for my wife, I'm thinking, well, God, what can I do? I still want to be able to serve. And he said, well, uh, who do you see? See, I've never been a neighborhood guy. I was always traveling, gone somewhere else most of the year. And now I'm a neighborhood guy. And God said, uh, well, who do you see in your neighborhood? I'm thinking, dog walkers. Yeah, they get out early in the morning, they walk their dogs. Okay, feed dogs, Gail. <laughs> so I set up a table every morning with dog treats, you know, and coffee for those who want it. And, uh, and I get a chance to talk to them and example things for them, pray for them. It's, it's amazing what God does too. And I am having so much fun feeding dogs <laughs> and talking to their owners because they love their dogs, you know? I, uh, when I was a child, I didn't have a dog. My parents had to love me. It was a real struggle. <laughs> now, is, uh, do you have water with you, Ada? Because I need some water. I'm a dry preacher. There's one a oh, is, yeah, that's right. They told me that. <laughs> I'm also a poor memory. Yeah. Because I'm gonna have to do something in a minute that I gotta have. Hmm. oh isn't water wonderful so he said love one another as I have loved you Hmm. and he was giving us he said I'm telling you this that your joy may be complete be full so that you will discover joy that you didn't know that you could have now Do you realize how simple this is? Jesus is telling us, love one another as I have loved you. Well, they surely knew that that God was compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy and faithfulness because Jesus had been that way to those jerks. And they were jerks. If If I employed them, they would have been unemployed. But you see, Jesus loves people and he came for people and he loves people that others don't love and the Pharisees did not love the poor they thought they were poor because they were cursed of God and you had to be rich to be a Pharisee remember that or a Sadducee really but now I realize he said to love one another as he has loved me Mm -hmm. and that's simple Even a child can understand that, yeah. And I remembered some things that God had done in my life. I was born on a farm in Oklahoma. Uh, The church was about 15 miles away. We couldn't always go because the bridge just consistently got washed out. But I had a Sunday school teacher. I didn't know her first name. In fact, if I'd have used it, I'd have got a whipping. Not by her, but by (laughs) my parents. But her name was, we called them Sister or Brother. It was Sister Craig. And I was in her class. And every morning in her class, every time the first thing would happen he'd pull out she'd pull out this little y- ukulele i'd never seen one of those before i thought that they they picked that guitar before it was ripe you know <laughs> and she would play this song and we would sing it now i've changed two words in this song because uh, it's just best that way the old one is a bit racist and it goes this way Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, brown and amber, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Every Sunday, that would be the first thing that we would do is sing that song. I decided maybe Jesus does love me. And there are other songs that, that I can remember singing from my very early years. And we have some great grandchildren now, and they are close to perfect, not quite. And I remember when uh, one of them, uh, uh, Jack, was the first of the one particular family. And when they'd come over and visit us, I would take him around. The house and point out things to him and sing to him this song. Maybe you know it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes jesus loves me yes jesus loves me the bible tells me so now now he his voice wasn't such he could sing but i tell could tell that he was trying but this i know that got into his heart and he has grown up to be one of the of course he's my great grandson but He's grown up to be one of the most mature and other centered young men that you'll ever want to see. I'm so proud of him. But he had a a brother, his name was Jack, but he had a brother named Daniel. Don't ask me to explain, Jack Daniel. (laughs) And we didn't have quite the relationship with Daniel because they had moved and, and were further away and so forth. But one time, when he came over with his mother and, and uh, older brother. You know, our children, as they leave, as they come, we try to give them a gift, and then when they leave. But that time, we, we didn't have something for Daniel, man. And my wife, in a moment of sheer brilliance, ran to a certain uh, play, uh, closet and came out with a stuffed sheep that when you squeezed it, It would sing very clearly, Jesus loves me, this I know. When we gave that to Daniel, he sat down on the floor and suddenly he was the only person there. And he just squeezed it and squeezed it and squeezed it. And on the way home, about an hour and a half drive, his mother said that's all he did is sit in the back and squeeze that thing over and over. When we got to the house, he sat down on the living room floor and he was the only person there and just squeezed that over and over. And I thought, way to go, God. You know what we have in our mind. Well, he had another uh, uh, brother, Wyatt. And uh, we didn't have quite the uh, occasion to see him at the beginning, but we went to a kind of family relation, a, a family reunion. And Wyatt was sitting there in his high chair. And I went over and I started singing that song to him. And his mother, oh man, his mother leaned over and said, Daniel sings that to him all the time, you know. Way to go, God even for children you will see to it ah so do you see what's going on here the only thing jesus requires of us is that we love god with all our hearts and love one another because there's one verse that people tend not to see in this first chapter that i read to you she says on these two commandments love god with all your heart and love your neighbor." hang all the law and the prophets now you've got to understand uh, the word bible is not in this book it means library and we added holy to it to differentiate it from other libraries and it wasn't through an old time you know their word for bible was the law and the prophets and jesus says on these two commandments love god with all your heart love your neighbor as yourself hang all the bible you mean it's that simple? Yes, it's that simple. <sighs>